It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, we have a big show on tap. Mark Thiessen, one of the finest guests you can have, deep thinker, great writer, former presidential speechwriter for Bush, and now writes for the Washington Post, as well as a Fox News contributor. He'll be with us shortly uh, in about 25 minutes. In about 12 minutes, we'll be able to take your calls and find out what's uh, on your mind, which will be great. Today is St. Patrick's Day. It's a day in which almost, I can guarantee you, the parade in your town is not looking like it used to, or it might not be happening at all, but a lot better than last year, right? A lot better than last year. So uh, let us know if you're going to find a way to celebrate and how you're going to celebrate. And then let's get to the issue on your mind. We also know the President of the United States will attend a mass in honor of St. Patrick's Day. Um, or he's already there just about now. And he also gave an interview with George Stephanopoulos. We'll bring you the highlights. The Freedom Caucus will hold a press conference today. Remember them? Jim Jordan and company. We'll find out what they're up to. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. An attempt to recall California Governor Gavin Newsom is looking increasingly likely to end up on the ballot. Newsom recently acknowledged the growing effort to have him removed from office by launching a campaign to prevent it. And he says Trump supporters and extremists are behind the move. Yeah, resign. That's when it goes to Governor Cuomo. Recall, that's how it goes to Governor Newsom. Together, they're both one from Golden Boys to fighting for their political lives and more, and their reputation forever sullied. I'll tell you what they're up against next. Number two. What about that nuclear option doing away with the filibuster? Well, I can tell you that would be the end of the Senate as it was originally uh, devised and created going back to our founding fathers. The point is we still left the 60 votes in place for the Supreme Court. And Mitch McConnell changed that. I would prefer to bring it back. (laughs) Filibuster on life support. Biden. Durbin, Klobuchar, all indicate their progressive agenda is being hampered by the need for 60 votes when they only have 50, if that. What they say now and what they said when Donald Trump was in charge makes them all look like hypocrites. Is Mitch McConnell, who visited, who revisited Trump's filibuster push, ready for this Democratic challenge? Number one. Do you have to say quite clearly, don't come? Yes, I can say quite clearly, don't come. And what we're in the process of getting set up, don't leave your town or city or community. Yeah, well, you got to get there and explain to those countries why they shouldn't let those people leave. Don't come yet. That's what President Biden seems to be saying as he finally speaks out about the immigration crisis caused by his words and actions and reputation. Former President Donald Trump laments seeing all his border gains blown up by an administration who wants to blame him for that. Thankfully, most clear-minded people, including some Democrats, are not buying it. What is happening? How bad are the numbers? Well, let's take a look. In 2019, worst year for President Trump at the border, he had 60,000 come in illegally that they caught in October. 2021, 71,946. November, no, 72,111 in 2021. Uh, that was 62,000 back in 2019. So another 15,000. Meanwhile, in December, 74,000. Uh, for Trump, it was 14,000 less. 
January, 20,000 less. In February of 2019, there were 76,000. We thought that was out of control. Now in February, 100,441. And thousands of migrant children uh, are coming into the U.S. border facilities at a faster rate that can even be processed, let alone housed. More than 13,000 unaccompanied migrant children are now in U.S. custody. Obviously, we don't have sponsor families. Clearly, we don't have room. But the people to blame, obviously, are the people that have Joe Biden's name on their shirt, right? Not according to Joe Biden. Cut three. A lot of the migrants coming in saying they're coming in because you promised to make things better. It seems to be getting worse by the day. Was it a mistake not to anticipate this surge? Well, first of all, there was a surge the last two years in, in, in 19 and 20. There was a surge as well. This I'm, one might be worse. No, well, it could be. I heard the other day that they're, they're coming because they know I'm a nice guy and I won't do they're what They're saying Trump this. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. They're not. Do you have to say quite clearly, don't come? Yes, I can say quite clearly, don't come. And what we're in the process of getting set up, don't leave your town or city or community. By the way, what are you getting in the process of setting up? What does that even mean? That's like when Jen Psaki says, don't come yet. What are you talking about? Come through the normal system. Why do you get a leg up on Costa Ricans or Nigerians or Norwegians? Come the right way. What is so hard about that? President Trump weighed in last night. Cut five. Well, my policies were working better than they've ever seen on the southern border. The wall is almost complete. Uh, we just had to fix little sections, complete little sections that had to be together. We needed them in order to get the trucks back and forth from side to side. Uh, but they've chosen to stop right in the middle. Uh, they could have it finished in uh, a month and it would be just magnificent. It already is magnificent what it's done in the areas where it's totally completed. But just small sections are remaining, and they should finish it. But they're destroying our country. Now listen, he's not overstating it. What makes it worse is they're blaming Trump for it. And please don't tell me you're buying that. You know what the president was doing? He was firing people, moving people. He was banging the desk, saying, this has got to be done. Fly me down there. I want to see it. What I think is more disturbing with President Biden over at President Obama and President Trump is that at least President Obama admitted it's a problem. This guy doesn't. Chad Wolf was on Fox and Friends about two hours ago. How do you feel, Chad, about being blamed for all this? Cut nine. We have a full-blown crisis on our southwest border at the moment. I would say what has changed is the messaging out of the administration. Back in 2019, under President Trump, uh, we had messaging as don't come uh, because you will not be let into the country. We know that the vast majority of these folks do not qualify for asylum. Uh, but unfortunately, today we have a different set of messaging and a different set of policies in place, which are encouraging. They are the pull factors that we see today, which is encouraging this crisis. And I, you know, he's much more measured than I would be. If they were blaming me for this human catastrophe where the cartels are able to benefit by charging people $5,000 they don't have or maybe $10,000 if you're from out of the peninsula, maybe from Haiti, maybe perhaps you're from Venezuela, maybe perhaps you're from China. We, by the way, they've captured three people on the terrorist watch list crossing the border. You don't think that people want a better life here or want even have evil intentions for us? You're not paying attention. The other big story is the recall that is going to be official. Uh, I think by tomorrow, Governor Newsom is going to be recalled. Amazing how little uh, how little character he shows, blaming Trump supporters. Really, Trump supporters blaming um, uh, QAnon? Are you kidding? 
and saying race plays a role in this. People don't like the browning of California. Are you crazy? Cut 32. This is the sixth effort, and I've only been in office 25 months. Just in 25 months, there's been six efforts to put a recall uh, on the ballot. This one appears to have the requisite signatures. This started before the pandemic. If you look at the list of grievances from the proponents of this campaign, it goes to our values. It's, it's less about me. It's more about California and our values, Democratic Party values, issues related to the browning of California, immigration. Come on. He says he is worried about it. The browning of California, say 30 percent of those who signed up are not are, are not Republicans. Thirty percent are either independents or Democrats that signed to have him recall. Why? He's kept the whole state locked down. Why? He went ahead and goes out to dinner. Why? He stopped schools from opening. And now he's trying to push to a degree unions to open while his kids go to private school. That is part of the reason why uh, the people of California want to do this recall. Like they got rid of Gray Davis and they put in Schwarzenegger. This could be happening again. Ann Dunsmore is with it, is with Rescue California. She takes on Gavin Newsom. Cut 35. He has dismissed uh, 50 percent of our signatories are women. He's dismissing 58 percent of Californians want to see him recalled. Um, for him to play the race card over and over and over again is barely a deflection. It's very transparent. We have women. We have a huge number of people supporting that are no party preference and Democrats. He's managed to alienate pretty much everybody, and that's because there isn't anyone who hasn't had to deal with the ramifications of his lack of leadership and poor decision-making. I can't bring you inside California politics, but I think it's pretty sure, even though there's some viable Republicans, that he's going uh, the party or the Democratic Party will put somebody else in place if he's recalled. But all his decisions are just terrible. He's a horrible leader. He has no sense of urgency. He's in still a total lockdown. Yet the, the state like Florida, about his, uh, you know, it's a little bit smaller, but per capita, their numbers are better than California's. On the other scandal from the high-profile Democrat side is Andrew Cuomo. Believe it or not, despite seven women and more evidently are coming out saying that he harassed them sexually, despite the 15,000 nursing home deaths when he only told us there were five, only 50 percent of New Yorkers say he should not resign. Thirty-four percent would vote to re-elect him. When even Democrats, over 160 lawmakers, New York State lawmakers, have signed a petition to impeach him and urging him to resign, including the two most powerful, I find it uh, hard to believe that this guy's ratings, according to Siena, it's an Albany school, very good school, by the way, I find it hard to believe they actually want him to stick around. But they do. Senator Chuck Schumer, though, makes it clear if Joe Biden doesn't, he makes it clear he should step down. Cut 28. As I've said, uh, New York State, under this COVID crisis, needs safe and uh, they need secure and safe and strong leadership. The women have come forward. I'm proud they have. They've made some serious allegations, and they should be listened to. Because the governor, because of these allegations, the governor has lost the confidence of his governing partners and of many New Yorkers, and he should step down. Story in the New York Times today that Lindsay Boylan, first Boylan, she's a Democrat, progressive Democrat, self-described, most people agree, running for Manhattan Borough President. Who else in a politician that has any success? Most of them are Democrat. She writes, 
there was a letter that they found that was been put together by Cuomo supporters, possibly engineered by the government himself, suggesting that Lindsey Boylan, back in December when she came forward, that her accusation was premeditated and politically motivated. It disclosed personal complaints filed against her and attempted to link her to supporters of Donald Trump. She t- despises Donald Trump. This letter was a full-on attack on Ms. Boylan's credibility, according to her lawyer, suggesting that her accusation was premeditated and politically motivated. It disclosed personal complaints filed against her and attempted to link to supporters of President Trump, her lawyer says, weaponizing a claim of sexual harassment for personal political gain or to achieve notoriety cannot be tolerated. This is what the letter said. False claims demean the veracity of credible claims. They tried to destroy her when they realized there were others and they couldn't. They pulled it back. But now this is exposed. That is a guy that will do anything to stay in power. Is that okay with you? one 408 7669 I'll come back. I'll take your calls on that. Uh, we did not touch on the other thing was uh, on the filibuster rule. Uh, and, of course, uh, President Biden spoke. The whole interview is now out. We'll play some cuts of it. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I am so proud of President Joe Biden, really and truly. This is not a partisan comment, Don. Our country needs this kind of leadership. I honestly think that he is off to a stronger start in the first 50-some-odd days uh, uh, of any president since Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I really, I, I, I see it. Al Gore, it's not partisan, praising Joe Biden, who's acting purely in a partisan way. Yeah, it's not a partisan remark. I'm sure when he watched the tax plan uh, get passed, tax reform passed by uh, Donald Trump, he was just felt the same way. I've, I can't believe how much he's getting done, just like FDR. So I can't believe they said that, but Al Gore is looking to cheerlead for his own party. I will say this, he's getting $1.9 trillion done, but he might have poisoned the well from here on in. Remember the shovel-ready projects when 
when President Obama got Obamacare and the Shovelready projects with the stimulus package passed, he poisoned the wealth to such a degree he lost the midterms. I think he lost 63 seats in the House as they began to creep up and ultimately take back the Senate. So that's huge. I'm going to talk to Mark Thiessen about this, but I do want to get into this, and that is uh, Joe Biden and the filibuster. What I find amazing is he wants to do a talking filibuster, which would slow down everything. That means nobody gets confirmed, no nominations get heard, because he wants to do a talking filibuster where Republicans Republicans, if they want to stop a vote, talk nonstop. What I think is hysterical is they think we don't remember less than a year ago when there was such a fear that Mitch McConnell was going to go to the filibuster because Donald Trump was demanding it. This is what they were saying. Cut 16. Well, I can tell you that would be the end of the Senate as it was originally uh, devised and created going back to our founding fathers. Today's filibuster is often used to prevent the Senate from even starting to debate important ideas. It's not the guarantor of democracy. It has become the death grip of democracy. I said, let's not do the Supreme Court. We should have 60 votes, which we still do, because we should get bipartisan support. We hope our Republican colleagues will work with us to produce that change. We will try to get them to work with us. But if not, we will put our heads together and figure out how to go, and everything is on the table. The point is, we still left the 60 votes in place right. for the Supreme Court. Did you Court, bring it back? And yeah. Mitch McConnell changed that. I would prefer to bring it back. We are where we are, yeah. and now I don't think anyone's going to want to hamstring themselves. I right. favor getting rid of the filibuster. I think we have too much we have to do for this country. Right. Too much in your mind we have to do for this country, but you're not going to get any consensus. Therefore, the American public, which we gave you a 50-50 Senate, does not want anybody's extreme agenda. When are they going to realize that, that we were taping their earlier comments? Is that incredible? They think we're going to accept getting rid of the filibuster. They might do it anyway. But I'm telling you right now that will deliver the House and possibly the Senate. And if you get the, a Republican president, someone like Donald Trump or some people in his image from Pompeo on down, uh, they're going to just ram everything through in a simple majority. I think it'll change the whole complexion of the country and the way we operate. But here, you know, tr- but Biden's saying, I want a talking filibuster. So that means H.R. 1, if they, if they get rid of it, may do a simple 50 votes, 51 votes. H.R. 1 passes, which basically nationalizes all the elections. So Senator Mitch McConnell heard this and says he's got a few moves if this happens. Cut 19. Nobody serving in this chamber can even begin, can even begin to imagine what a completely scorched earth Senate would look like. As soon as Republicans wound up back in the saddle, we wouldn't just erase every liberal change that hurt the country. We'd strengthen America with all kinds of conservative policies with zero zero out of the gates and ready to go hey it's hutton with row hot mike is here on the outkick network we've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion and it's available wherever you find your audio daily analysis and news he is hot i am mike actually my <laughs> name is chad his name is jonathan but you get the picture we're gonna bring it every single day whatever you want to call us we'll respond to we just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day and while you're here we hope you subscribe to the podcast like subscribe and share input from the other side good luck uh he would trey gowdy knows what's at stake Tut 22 number one if you go way 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 back in history like two years 
The Democrats said this will destroy the Senate, and worse yet, the greatest insult of all, it will turn us into the House. It'll just be an older version of the House, and it will trample minority rights. That's what they said two years ago. And now in a 50-50 Senate, and this is the second point, 50-50 Senates don't do transformational change. It's just not going to work. So if they blow this up, I don't think Kirsten Sinema is going to change your mind. I really don't. But if they blow this thing up, um, then we might as well have a unicameral system of government because the Senate's no different from the House. Yeah, uh, and that's Trey Gowdy. And a lot of these people have been consistent. But believe me, if Donald Trump could have convinced Mitch McConnell to do it, he would have done it. And every Democrat would have had a coronary. They would have tried to impeach him a third time. Meanwhile, join me in data this Saturday afternoon this week, Dana Perino, We're talking about our number one bestseller, Everything Will Be Okay. VIP tickets are available with autographed copies of her book at floridatheater.com. floridatheater.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Senator Manchin suggested over the weekend that the filibuster be not removed, but reformed. As someone who spent decades in the Senate, is that something that President Biden would be supportive of? Well, his preference is not to make changes to the filibuster uh, uh, rules. Okay, but that seems to possibly have changed. Uh, let's ask Mark Thiessen, former chief political speechwriter for George Bush, Washington Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Mark, do you believe we're seeing the beginning of the end of the filibuster? I mean, it depends on what Joe Manchin does. I mean, look, they, it's obvious that the Democrats want to get rid of the filibuster. Joe Biden said so as much in an interview the other day. I mean, he literally contradicted what uh, what uh, she just what Jen Psaki just said. Uh, he thinks we need to get rid of it. And here's the thing. The Democrats, until two seconds ago, were using the filibuster to block Donald Trump, right? They, they filibustered the border wall. They filibustered criminal justice reform. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, police reform. They filibustered you, you named the legislation. And all the legislation that Republicans never brought up because it couldn't get 60 votes. I mean, you think about all the abortion restrictions and the other things. The, the, the list goes on and on. They were using it for four years to block Trump. Trump said, let's get rid of it because the Democrats are going to do it anyway, so we might as well do it. And Republicans said, no, we have to protect the institutions of the Senate. They're now, they've been in office for less than two months and they're, they're Biden's already flip-flopped on this and is, and is endorsing it, getting rid of the filibuster. And you have to ask yourself, Brian, why would they do that? Because if, 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 they, if we get rid of the filibuster now in order to pass through their agenda, eventually Republicans are going to come back they're going to take control of the Senate. They'll win back the House. I mean, they've got a 50-50 Senate and a five-vote majority in the House. We're going to get those back, could get the White House back, and then we're just going to undo everything they did and also, and then pass all the things that they filibustered for four years under Trump. So why would they do it? The reason is, I think, this is the, I've been struggling with this, and the reason, only thing I can come up with is they realize that the difference between conservatives and liberals is that liberals want to expand the size of government, and government is a one-way ratchet. That if they use their power to increase the size of government, to pass a Green New Deal, to pass uh, Medicare for all or single-payer health care, once they lose power, we'll never undo those things. I mean, we haven't – did we undo Obamacare? Nope. No. Right? So government incre- – so what they're, they're willing to lose – do something that might cause them to lose power in a few years in order to advance the size of government and then give up power for a few years, get it back, and then keep, keep the ratchet going until we have socialism. 
Here is the president talking yesterday, airing today, about the filibuster cut 13. 13. Aren't you going to have to choose between preserving the filibuster and advancing your agenda? Yes. But here's the choice. I don't think you have to eliminate the filibuster. You have to do it what it used to be when I first got to the Senate and back in the old days when you used to be around there. And that is that a filibuster, you had to stand up and command the floor. So you're for that reform. You're for bringing back the talking filibuster. I am. That's what it was supposed to be. Look, I think, don't hold me to the numbers, George, but I think between 1960 and 2000, I'm making this number up, I don't know. There were like, uh, you know... 50 filibusters. Now they're like 200 since then. Don't hold you to the numbers that are totally fair. I have no idea why he would use numbers that have no basis in fact. But so <laughs> well, I don't know what he's let you don't hold me to this, but it's a million and a trillion. So 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 Mark, just tell me. So what would a talking filibuster look like? Just a big waste of time. The Republicans could talk. They'll talk nonstop if they have to. Yeah, exactly. Look, first of all, George Stephanopoulos was about 12 years old when, when Joe Biden got to the Senate. So I think he was, I know. he's got his timing off a little bit. And if there are 200 filibusters, that was because the Democrats are filibustering Donald Trump. He's complaining about his own party. So even if those numbers were right, who, who launched those filibusters, right? So here's the thing that makes no sense, right? The 60-vote the threshold that we now have, right? So it started out as it had to be like 67 votes in the, in the, and, and then in 1917, and then they lowered it to 60 votes. Those reforms were made to make it harder to filibuster legislation because the Senate had ground to a halt with a talking filibuster. Because if you have a talking filibuster, right— First of all, Mitch McConnell, Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, all these guys, they'll talk forever, right? And what that does is that means no other business can happen in the Senate while that filibuster is happening. Everything grinds to a halt. And that hurts Biden. Routine stuff. It hurts Biden, right? So the the, the reform to have a 60-vote threshold was to make it easier for this, make it harder to have a filibuster and make it easier for the Senate to conduct other business while a filibuster is taking place, right? So, you know, to get rid of that and may and and may go back to the old Mr. Smith goes to Washington is just ignorant because it's just going to make it harder because one, yeah, I, I, I'm fine. Okay, we'll just filibuster everything. You think we'll, we'll talk to the Senate to death and, uh, you know, the Republicans will and nothing else will get done while you're doing it. So, you know, go ahead. They think the Republicans are afraid to talk and explain you know, what's wrong with socialism for 70 hours on the Senate floor, I think they'd be happy to do it. Yeah. So the other big issue is uh, immigration. The numbers are stunning. What we're looking at now in terms of the rise in numbers, uh, we're looking at uh, 30,000 more this month. We have uh, the number of unaccompanied minors is uh, is through the roof. You have 13,000 now migrant children now in U.S. custody. They're coming in about five, a clip of 500 a day. Nowhere to put them, no sponsors to take them. Here is what Joe Biden said about uh, going to the border and seeing for himself first. Cut one. Not at the moment. No plans. Now he talked to George Stephanopoulos. Same thing. Cut to. I heard the other day that they're, they're coming because they know I'm a nice guy and I won't do they're what They're saying Trump this. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. They're not. Do you have to say quite clearly, don't come? Yes. I can say quite clearly, don't come. And what we're in the process of getting set up, don't leave your town or city or community. How's that going to work? Don't walk through this open door. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, do not go through this open door. Yet. Even though we've got a bed for you yet. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Look, 
the reality is they, they keep, they're running around saying like they inherited a mess from Donald Trump. I'm sorry, where were the stories about the migrant surge on January 19th? I mean, I, I don't know. That I, maybe we missed them. We weren't we weren't paying attention to them. Uh, but the reality is this surge started when 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 the, as soon as Joe Biden took place, he inherited a secure border from Donald Trump. Uh, they, they, you know, and I understand. Look, there are people who who disagree with. I mean, I think all of us disagree with the family separations policy, which, which the Trump administration got rid of. It was a mistake. They should have never done it. But who who could be against the Remain in Mexico policy? Who could be against uh, the, the getting the Mexican government to enforce its its southern border? Who can be against the uh, the the safe third country agreement that the, the you know talk about diplomacy, uh, getting the three Central American countries where these countries people are coming from to have a policy where you, the first country you enter, you have to apply for asylum there. Because here's the thing, only 10% of these asylum claims are legitimate, right? So 90% get dismissed. If you, if you don't have the ability to get into the country to make your claim and you have to do it in Mexico or in Central, Central American country, you're probably not going to make a false claim because it's not worth it because you're not going to get in. So, so taking away those, those deterrents to coming has unleashed this flood of, of migrants who are, and, and you know what the thing that bothers me the most? Because I'm actually pro-refugee, Brian. I think that this is, a, you know, I believe in the words in the Statue of Liberty, give me your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. They're real refugees around the world, people escaping political oppression and all the rest of it. They're wait, they, there's only so many people in the federal government who can process asylum claims, right? They're wasting their time on false claims from these Central Americans when they're people from other countries that have real political oppression who can't get their refugee status adjudicated because of this because of Biden's policy. So, I, you know, we should be taking in real refugees and not letting in people who, who don't qualify. And they're gumming up the entire system for the real refugees with people who don't qualify. He settled things down by dealing with those countries, his neighboring countries and the ones in the, the triangle area. Here's what the president said last night. Cut seven. Well, I have great respect for the president of Mexico. He's a great gentleman. We had a very good relationship. Uh, they had 28,000 soldiers on our border while we were building the wall. They had 28,000 soldiers not allowing people to come into our country, and they were also stopping them at their northern border by Honduras and El Salvador, Guatemala. They were stopping them so they wouldn't come through Mexico, and we had it really down to a good system. And They, would, they did stuff. They, they were stopping starts. They recognized an emergency. The president went down there. They're not even addressing this. But they are trying to sell the $1.9 trillion aid package. How long do you think they'll ride with this on 70% approval? I mean, here, here's the thing also. That, so Biden wants to get immigration reform done, right? Yep. The prerequisite for any kind of compromise on immigration is a secure border, right? Most Americans, I think, that the, the polls show – support some sort of they, they want a welcoming immigration policy for legal immigrants right and they they want to do something for the dreamers and la- allow them to stay here but they're but they want a secure border so if you if you create a crisis at the border that undermines your any chance you have of getting bipartisan agreement on some sort of immigration reform so so this is not in joe biden's interest to be doing this this is just this is just literally like self-destructive uh, so I just I just don't understand what they're doing. Uh, it's incompetent. So when they, they start giving people fourteen hundred dollars checks, it's going to be popular. When you give states this money and they're able to institute some programs, it's going to be popular. Do you, do you think like Larry Summers does? It's going to lead to inflation. You know I don't know uh, if it's going to lead to inflation, but you know here's the thing that that what Republicans should be saying. You know first of all, number one, 
Joe Biden's out campaigning on this thing. They're running ads against the Republicans who voted against it. So, so 10 Republicans came to Joe Biden and said, we want it. You said it's, we, it's a choice we make not yep. to work together. We're making a choice to work with you. Right. And yep. and he said no. And now he's campaigning against them to point out that they voted against the bill that he wouldn't compromise or negotiate with them on. So so much for bipartisanship. On infrastructure, interesting Ben Cardin's comments yesterday uh, when he was when he was asked, he was talking to the Treasury Secretary, thought it was a quiet conversation. He says, we're going to end up doing this thing on a pure reconciliation basis. Republicans will only go so much when it comes to infrastructure. Again, a fake a head fake that they're actually want to do something bipartisan. It's a lie. The whole the whole promise of Joe Biden. I was open to the idea that Joe Biden really would bring us together because I actually worked with him in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. I worked for Jesse Helms when he was the ranking member, and I saw him uh, work with him. And I thought, you know, this is he really believes this. Maybe he'll do it. And all we've seen is a lie. You know, the, 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 there's no effort to negotiate. He took something with with the with the COVID relief. Every COVID relief until now, under Donald Trump. And the Republican majority was bipartisan. And he did something, you know, not only did he advance, not advance bipartisanship, he set it back. He took something that had been bipartisan and turned it into a partisan exercise. And now he's going to do it on infrastructure, which is something that both Republicans and Democrats actually agree on. How can you keep taking things that are bipartisan and making them partisan and claim that you're a uniter? And then try to blow up the filibuster so you don't need any Republicans at all. so you're literally creating a situation where you're forcing Republicans to vote against you by being so extreme and then saying they're obstructionists. We had to blow up a filibuster. I mean, it's, it's, the whole thing is a big lie, big well, lie. Well, There's no interest in bipartisanship. There's no interest in unity. They, they are trying to ram through. They've got a narrow moment where they've got a 50-50 Senate, five-vote majority in the House and the White House. They are going to ram through as much government spending as they can in the next two years. Um, and they're not going to let anything get in their way. Hold on tight. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Mark Thiessen, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. 1-866-408-7669. You heard from us. Now it's time for us to hear from you. Call the Brian Kilmeade Show now. It's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It is um, the failure to have an orderly transition from... The Trump presidency to my presidency, which usually takes place from election day to the time you're sworn in, has cost me time and consequences. For example, we didn't realize how bad things were in terms of lack of vaccines. We were not able to get access to this information. There was really no lack of vaccines. Uh, They might not know where they were. Uh, There could have been maybe better communication. I'll have to get the other side of that. But it's just so amazing, too, to see how much blame is going on because he did actually take full credit to President Biden uh, for a vaccine. He said they didn't even have one. I don't know if that's a miss if he misspoke, but it makes no sense to even bring that up because obviously there was a vaccine. He got the vaccine. So President Trump uh, talked about that uh, yesterday. Uh, he talked about that with uh, Maria Bartiromo on the primetime show that's at 7, seven o'clock uh, last night. And here's President Trump on why Joe Biden keeps on talking down the vaccine that he didn't have it 
and not giving credit when President Trump deserves it. So when you go to uh, when you go to the COVID issue, uh, we did a great job. We get very little credit for it. But the big thing is what I've and I've always felt that was the most important is the vaccine. The key was always going to be the vaccine. And when Biden got the vaccine in December and on January 20th, he made a statement that he doesn't think we have vaccines. Now, I don't know. Did he make that statement as a statement or did he not actually know we had the vaccine? What, what's going on there? But uh, he got his shot. He got his first shot on in December, on December 21st, I believe. So with the vaccines and with the job we've done with COVID, with getting I inherited empty an empty cupboard. That is true uh, that we were not planned for a pandemic. They quickly say, well, you had a pandemic division and you got rid of it. He goes, no, we put it into the chemical warfare division. That was John Bolton's move, but we did not have enough PPE. We remember all that about the ventilators. Uh, hopefully we'll solve that next time. I'm not sure. One thing I appreciate the president doing, telling everybody he got the vaccine and you should too. Cut 30. I would recommend it and I would recommend it to a lot of people that don't want to get it. And a lot of those people voted for me, frankly. But, you know, I, again, we have our freedoms and we have to uh, live by that. And I agree with that also. But it's a great vaccine. It's a safe vaccine. And it's uh, something that works. And uh, we've been well, working round the clock. And what I got the FDA to do, this would have happened. This would have happened in many, many uh, years from now if we didn't if I didn't yes. get involved and if we did get involved. I mean, there are some hot spots now, but for the most part, I think deaths are down 30 uh, percent. Cases are down 15 percent across the country. I guess Minnesota and New York have a bit of a hot spot at this moment, but not that hot. Fifty four thousand cases uh, a week. Uh, we do know this, that we got three effective vaccines. In Europe, AstraZeneca is hit some political turmoil. Some people had blood clots. 37 out of the tens of thousands, the millions that got it. So they stop issuing it while they're experiencing a third wave. All because of Germany. Germany, when Germany says no, everybody else felt pressure to say, no, okay, we got to stop and investigate AstraZeneca. Bobby, listen, WTQS. Hey, Bobby. Good morning, Brian. What's on your mind? Yeah, we talk about ending the filibuster. Yes. What it would effectively do is we just reelected Lindsey Graham for six years, but we're effectively saying that the loser, Jamie Harrison, now gets to control us. That's the way I see it. But one of the biggest things you said is they could turn the Senate into just a glorified house. Just imagine one of the next plans the Democrats would have is to change the Senate and the House to everything is based on population only, and there are no splits based on states. So some states may not even be represented in Congress. This would be a federal version of the Reynolds v. Sims case in 1964. I'm not familiar with that, but I will say this. If you want to see H.R. 1, federalizing of elections, if you want to see D.C. become a state and Puerto Rico instantly become a state, uh, that's what's going to happen with the filibuster. If you want to see immigration reform where we put immigrants first, illegal immigrants first, without border security, that's what getting rid of the filibuster will do. Uh, so much depends on Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, And also, how much do you regret Republicans losing both those Senate races? From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
from the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, time for me to talk now. I've seen this before. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, and, of course, we appreciate you being there. Listen to the show anytime at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. You can grab the podcast when you can. Uh, we know today the uh, is St. Patrick's Day, and we're celebrating in some measured tone. A lot better than last year. We didn't know what the hell was happening. At least now there are some parades virtual or low-key. I think some of you have found bars and restaurants that will get you in to a degree. And hopefully the bars and restaurants will get a little bit of profit. Normally the place of New York City would be pulsating uh, with liquor flowing everywhere. The parade would stop literally everything going on in Manhattan, probably in Chicago, probably in California, definitely in Ireland. Not this year, but better than last. So that's good. We have Ben Dominic uh, coming up shortly and Matt Palumbo, who wrote a great book called How Cuomo and de Blasio Ruined New York. And the, and the title is perfect, Dumb and Dumber. They really are. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. An attempt to recall California Governor Gavin Newsom is looking increasingly likely to end up on the ballot. Newsom recently acknowledged the growing effort to have him removed from office by launching a campaign to prevent it. And he says Trump supporters and extremists are behind the move. Not really, but we're not even buying it. I don't even know. I can't believe he kept his a straight face in saying it. Resign when it comes to Governor Cuomo. Recall when it comes to Governor Newsom. The two wonder kids of the Democratic Party have, are, have their careers on life support. I'll tell you what they are up against next. Number two. What about that nuclear option doing away with the filibuster? Well, I can tell you that would be the end of the Senate as it was originally uh, devised and created going back to our founding fathers. The point is we still left the 60 votes in place right. for the Supreme you Court. Bring it back? And yeah. Mitch McConnell changed that. I would prefer to bring it back. Yeah, not anymore. Filibuster on life support, too. Biden, Durbin, Klobuchar all indicate their progressive agenda is being hampered by the need for 60 votes instead of just 50. What they say now, what they said then, and what Trump was unable to do with Mitch McConnell that makes them all look like hypocrites and Mitch McConnell have credibility. Number one. Do you have to say quite clearly, don't come? Yes, I can say quite clearly, don't come. And what we're in the process of getting set up, don't leave your town or city or community. Really? What process is that? Is that called immigration legal? Don't come yet. That's what President Biden seems to have been saying as he finally speaks out on illegal immigration and blames you-know-who for the problems, Donald Trump. Let's bring in somebody who we never blamed for illegal immigration, Ben Dominic. He's here legally. His paperwork's in order. We just checked through it. Fox News contributor, publisher of The Federalist, uh, and also the Ben Dominic uh, podcast. Hey, Ben. Uh, hey, Brian. Yes, I did indeed uh, emigrate legally from uh, the great state of Mississippi. So I, I, I came to I came to the United States uh, not in a, not floating in a basket or on a door. Because but, I, yeah, because um, I do but, know look, you did I, pass the E-Verify back, background check, so you're okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, I listened to uh, these words from from Joe Biden on on these this migrant surge. I mean, who does he think he's going to convince with this? <laughs> have they even thought this through? The perception that we have at this moment is that there really is no plan. There's several key roles within the administration on immigration policy that he hasn't filled. You know, th- did they anticipate that they would just be able to make this policy change, wipe out everything that the Trump administration did that they didn't like, and have no consequences come from it? Because that's just living in fantasy land. 
565 unaccompanied minors crossing the border on an average day. We got tens of thousands now being housed, and we don't have enough, close to enough sponsors. By the way, if we have sponsors, they should go to our kids when it comes to uh, these reforms. The surges created a backlog in Border Patrol stations with over 4,200 kids in custody, 2,943 of those children being held over to the 72-hour limit. Of course. Meanwhile, Ted Cruz made it clear in his tweet. This is his exact story. They brought back catch and release. They halted construction wall, which is already paid for. They ended the Remain in Mexico policy. And, and Joe Biden talked about that today. But, Ben, what school are you from? That they don't really care about the chaos on the border or that they just are not ready? Well, I think that their problem really was that they and have a very fanciful view of what they're able to do when it comes to policy, that they could basically wave a wand here and, and not have the kind of surge that anyone who knows anything about the border uh, could have told them it, that was obvious to anticipate. And keep in mind, what's, what's really driving this is not just the language that we hear out of the administration or the changes in policy uh, that we see in terms of, of the the Remain in Mexico issue and, and other uh, shifts that they've made when it came to uh, arrangements with the Northern Triangle countries and the like. It's also because it, uh, a, of a lack of awareness of what's actually going on in Mexico at this moment, which is a cartel war that has been only increasing in recent months and that needs to be funded in some way. And one of the big ways that uh, the Mexican cartels find that funding now uh, is that they traffic in humans and they, and they find that actually be easier than trafficking in drugs in a lot of uh, different ways because they really just have to get them to the border. The, the people that you see showing up have paid thousands of dollars, often you know, the, every uh, cent that they have to their name, uh, in order to uh, pay their freight to be able to be uh, to get across the border safely, and that's because the cartels have more control on their side of the border than we do on ours. And that's just unacceptable for the U.S. government to, be, uh, to uh, continue to tolerate that scenario. All right, now, it's very interesting. It was about a year ago when Joe Biden said this, they study these candidates. They know what a Trump election means and they know what a Biden win would mean. Cut four is Joe Biden in 2019. We could afford to take in a heartbeat another two million people. The idea that a country of 330 million people cannot absorb people who are in desperate need and who are justifiably fleeing oppression is absolutely bizarre. Right. I would also move to increase the total number of immigrants able to come to the United States. So they're saying, OK, I'll be one of the two million. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of these things where you have a, a left agenda that is very much interested in flooding as many new people into the system. And keep in mind, you know, compare this with their attitude when it comes to H.R. 1 and wanting to make the type of electoral changes uh, that they've advocated for. I mean, if you're for this, you really are for a situation where you have these people come in illegally and then you give them the right to vote and you give and you put them on government welfare and you put them on these different entitlement programs. And the left's agenda really is to make them beholden to leftist politicians and then use those votes votes in order to advance their political causes. It's extremely crass, and uh, it leads, as I said, to not just profit for the cartels and these dangerous uh, trafficking uh, expeditions, but it also, as we should acknowledge, leads to an increased uh, threat of, of pandemic. Mexico has you know, never gotten real, a real hold on, on their situation, and many of these migrants who are coming over actually are testing positive. But keep in mind, the people testing them aren't even from the U.S. government. The Border Patrol isn't testing them. It's local 
you know, Catholic charities and the like who are finding that these people are ill and are taking care of them. And that's, again, a failure of governance, a failure right off the bat from this Biden administration that ran on, oh, a return to normalcy, a return to good governance. Well, it's a return to normalcy just in the sense that the media is covering up once again uh, for screw ups by the Democratic Party uh, and, and, you know, this, this uh, you know, putting kids in cages uh, and putting uh, kids in all types of de- terrible situations, ripping them away from their families. That was a, you know, a humanitarian crisis during the Trump administration. Uh, but during the Biden one, it's just, you know, precious, cover- precious little coverage from a media right. that's more than happy to look the other way. Well, President Trump is taking the blame for this, but he's not accepting the blame for this. And not many clear thinking people would. But here's what he said last night. Cut six. People are coming in by the hundreds of thousands. Uh, Young children are coming in and they leave their homes and they come up because they think it's going to be uh, so wonderful. It is a crisis like uh, we've rarely had and certainly we've never had on the border, but it's going to get much worse. I mean, what you're seeing now is very bad record numbers, but it's going to get much, much worse. With a little bit of uh, time, you'll see those numbers expand uh, at a level like you've never seen before. And may Orchids and company blame the previous administration and broken down uh, policies. That's what they claim at the border. Yeah, that's just absurd. And and uh, the president's correct, the former president is correct, in the sense that uh, this is everyone who knows about the border knows that these numbers are only likely to increase. Well, you typically don't see you know, the peak until much later in the spring. Uh, and that's something that uh, I think everyone really anticipates is going to develop into you know, not just a major crisis, but a, a significant logistical problem. You're going to see more and more of these uh, migrant camps opened up effectively uh, in, uh, in places that are hundreds of miles away from the border. And just the dealing with this uh, as a process, both legally mm-hmm. and, and working them through the system and trying to meet their needs, is going to be uh, a phenomenal uh, a lift on the part of the government that has already proven that it fails in, in just kind of dealing with the basic and easily anticipated ramifications of their policy. Right. Well, you see Stacey Abrams going to be handing him out ballots soon. That'll just be a perfect circle. <laughs> uh, uh, that's the goal. Absolutely. So let's talk about the filibuster. Joe Biden to George Stephanopoulos, cut 13. Aren't you going to have to choose between preserving the filibuster and advancing your agenda? Yes. But here's the choice. I don't think you have to eliminate the filibuster. You have to do it what it used to be when I first got to the Senate and back in the old days when you used to be around there. And that is that a filibuster, you had to stand up and command the floor. So you're for that reform. You're for bringing back the talking filibuster. I am. That's what it was supposed to be. Look, I think, don't hold me to the numbers, George, but I think... Between 1960 and 2000. All right, I can't even take this analogy. It's so painful. He goes, don't hold me to the numbers. They make no sense. They don't they don't work. They don't help tell the story. Uh, But 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 Ben, what I, I, you know, I educate me. How does a talking filibuster change anything? Republicans can talk. It's, it's, it doesn't change anything, Brian, and, and it's a total punt on his part. Look, I think that all along we, there were all those sort of extreme uh, agenda items that we heard during the campaign that Democrats clearly want to do, uh, but that the, the narrowness of, the, of this election turned out to, to really prevent, I think, in a number of ways, such as you know uh, making a lot less likely that they would pack the Supreme Court, that they would add uh, Puerto Rico and D.C. as states and the like. The thing that always struck me as a likely was that they would get rid of the filibuster because it's the thing that, that does 
most people don't understand it, uh, or if they or if they do, you know, it's one of these things where they they might not be wedded to it as much. Uh, whereas adding two states does strike a lot of people as being kind of extreme, and so that's the, the situation that I think we're facing right now, which is that Democrats really do want to get rid of the filibuster. Uh, they do uh, have this ridiculous idea now that somehow it's a a racist thing, uh, like everything that they go after. You know, Barack Obama goes from using the filibuster, uh, using a filibuster against a Supreme Court nominee, for instance, and uh, and defending the filibuster to now uh, decrying it as a racist institution. Uh, and I do think that they are going to try to get rid of it. But the truth is that, as Mitch McConnell said, uh, this uh, would really lead to a, a huge pileup in terms of the Senate being much less functional than uh, than it actually has been. And it hasn't been working that well uh, to begin with. So, uh, look, I think that this is going to be a push that they certainly try to make and they try to convince Joe Manchin to go along with it. Um, but if they're able if they're able to do it, they will ram through so many different uh, leftist policy agenda items. It'll make your head spin uh, and they'll do it very rapidly. This is this is a situation where they really do believe that after four years of Donald Trump, uh, that they want to move the dial as far as possible, uh, as quickly as possible. And, and that's something that I think they're racing to get done before a midterm that they right. feel like might got, go pretty poorly. for. But them. Ben, here's the problem. Sometimes people are hypocrites or they're contradictory. But not like this. This just happened. Here's, for example, what Dick Durbin said two years ago about the filibuster. Uh, Cut 18. What about that nuclear option doing away with the filibuster? Well, I can tell you that would be the end of the Senate as it was originally uh, devised and created going back to our founding fathers. Uh, we have to acknowledge our respect for the minority, and that is what the Senate tries to do in its composition and in its procedure. He was just a kid then, January 2018, just, you know, just getting his feet wet. <laughs> Cut 17 is yesterday. Today's filibuster has turned the world's most deliberative body into one of the world's most ineffectual bodies. It's not the guarantor of democracy. It has become the death grip of democracy. Klobuchar, same thing. Schumer, same exact thing. Did they, did they think we had VCRs in the Dominich household when we could play this <laughs> well, stuff it's, back? It's, it's, it's just, I mean, I understand that they think that in this modern era that our attention spans uh, are very short. Uh, and certainly there, that can be true, you know, in terms of the prevalence of TikTok and things like that, that, uh, you know, use your attention for only a few seconds. But look, we can remember the past. We can watch it, and especially when it's so close in terms of proximity. Uh, the, the simple fact is that this is a party that views this most recent election as being a real scare for them. They lost a lot of Hispanic voters. Uh, the the African American numbers moved in the wrong direction for them. The Asian American numbers moved in the wrong direction for them, uh, and so they're trying to rush to pound through as many of these leftist policies as they can within the next two years. Uh, before they they lose their grip on power potentially, um, they feel like they missed an opportunity before they got too uh, they got too confident in the Obama years, and they recall you know what happened to them in those Tea Party midterms of 2010, uh, and so I think that this is a situation where. You, you're going to see them move very rapidly uh, and try to do it, you know, again, under the cover of Joe Biden as this kind of Trojan horse of normalcy and, you know, a return to the way that uh, people would traditionally work or, or think about presidents uh, when in reality he is just cover for a radical agenda right. uh, that seeks to fundamentally change the country and its institutions. Yeah, we're not going to let that happen. And you don't let it happen with us. And you don't let it happen on the Ben Dominich po- uh, podcast. You hold him into account. Uh, ben, thanks so much. <laughs> 
Great to be with you as always. Brian. All right, great. We come back. Your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Then we go into the Governor Cuomo travails. More revelations that came out of all things the New York Times today that you will find disturbing. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. If the investigation confirms the claims of the women, should he resign? Yes, I think he'd probably end up being prosecuted, too. A woman should be presumed to telling the truth and should not be scapegoated and become victimized by her coming forward, number one. But there should be an investigation to determine whether what she says is true. Yeah, just like Tara Reid, who accused you of groping her. You said, well, it seemed nice. I don't. Uh, there's no way it happened. It never happened. Uh, that's why Joe Biden's staying out of this. Plus, he likes the Cuomos. It's always tough if somebody you're friends with is in trouble. Uh, you don't want to come out against them, but at the same time, you got to do what's right. That was a little of his interview with George Stephanopoulos. I'll play some of that throughout the show. Let's go out to 97.1's own Phil. It's on FM News Talk. Hey, Phil. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Brian. That's my. That was my exact question. Why is Joe Biden not being asked the same thing that I just heard Chuck Schumer say on your show? Uh, clip of it that all women should be believed and listened to why is the same thing not being done to joe biden it's a joke it's a farce they're all frauds one other thing brian this whole deal on the border as far as jen saki goes and plain whatever his first name is we're all not that stupid out here we know whose problem that is and we know who created it so you can save your breath Saki and Plame. Right. Uh, Mayorkas uh, in particular, uh, who said, yeah, this is a broken system. And uh, that's what happened. We have to go recreate it. No, you don't. It was all set. And if you don't believe me and you don't believe Phil in St. Louis, maybe you'll believe the president of Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala and Honduras. They worked out deals with our government to work together to make sure people weren't being taken advantage of by human traffickers and came to the border under bad circumstances, to say the least. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Do you believe that he and his administration deliberately tried to cover up the scale of nursing home deaths? I don't have a doubt in my mind. Uh, Everything was about his public image. Everything was about his political future. It was not about what people needed. And by the way, it was about campaign contributions. The nursing home industry, the, the big hospital systems, they gave him millions and millions of dollars. And he went easy on them. And he tried to cover up for everyone. Mayor of New York City says... He doesn't need the National Guard, and he doesn't think they would be helpful. Uh, And he can do it with the NYPD. First, uh, the NYPD and the mayor did not do their job last night. I believe that. 
part of the way the mayor and governor, same party, have uh, disagreed publicly and their own little personal feud and disrespect for each other hurts everybody in this state. And they've gotten a total pass. Not from Matt Palumbo, New York Times bestselling author. His new book is called Dumb and Dumber, How Cuomo and de Blasio Ruined New York. And it wasn't hard to find those clips uh, to see them contradicting and attacking each other. Matt, welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Brian. Obviously, uh, you have the mayor having great fun going after uh, Governor Cuomo, who's in dire straits. His career, legitimate career, looks like it's uh, virtually over. It's just a matter of time. How did it get this way, Matt? Oh, I mean, it's uh, I think escalated very slowly uh, over the past year. Um, you know, it, it's I mean, I think the right now Cuomo's under fire for the uh, sexual harassment scandal. Um, and you know, while I think that is an offense that he should not be serving an office over, it has clouded the nursing home scandal, which was you know only a month or two uh, in, in the past the dominant story. And just to you know give a recap of what happened there, um, Cuomo decided in March, you know, our, our hospitals supposedly don't have enough space in them, so let's start sending coronavirus patients to nursing homes. Um, meanwhile, there were all these sealed hospitals over the states not being used. Uh, Trump sent a naval ship, our uh, naval hospital, to New York to use that was never used. Um, so you know the whole basis for why the nursing home policy exists. It was really never clear. Um, and then you know, we now know 15,000 people died in these nursing homes, and a lot of it could have been avoided. I mean, there was always going to be nursing home deaths just because seniors are more vulnerable, but not to this extent. Um, just to give an example, within two months uh, – or sorry, within six weeks of that nursing home policy, 6 percent of all of New York's um, nursing home residents had died. Uh, in Florida, over the same time period, it was less than 2 percent. Um, there was one county in New York that disobeyed his nursing order, and their nursing home saw zero deaths over that time period. So it was a disastrous policy. And, you know, I think that's the real reason he should be getting uh, impeached or at least at a risk of impeachment. Um, but, you know, now the sexual harassment scandals in the news, uh, and that's kind of uh, taking priority. Um, and, you know, I, I I suppose I'm a bit permanently cynical when it comes to these investigations of Democrats. I am worried they are going to drag this on for as long as possible. And, you know, it might turn into like a Ralph Northam situation where we all just sort of forget about it and move on. Well, I think that's pretty clear. Uh, There was uh, Congresswoman Stefanik said today Democrats act like they're taking action against Cuomo, but they're actually slow walking this whole thing. The Siena poll says uh, 50 percent thinks he should not resign. So, you know, that's it. That's a small college that runs that poll outside Albany, the capital of the state. Here's what Janice Dean said yesterday, kind of agreeing with you, Matt. Cut 29. Obviously, the Me Too uh, part of this is important, and no woman should ever have to be put in that position. And, of course, I know full well about the Cuomo administration smear campaign, because I was part of that as well. Um, But I don't want them to take their eye off the nursing homes. We had over 15,000 of our loved ones in New York die because of that executive order of 9,000 infected patients being put into nursing homes. And I don't want people to lose sight of that. And it ended up being the skewing with the numbers, the the, the suppression of the health officials by his staffers to keep it at 9,000 while the book was coming out. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. And the thing is, I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, and it went up to 15,000. And when his book is coming out, they said just about the same time this thing is about to be done, the manuscript handed in, they said, hey, wait a second. The theory is make sure this number isn't too high. Else my book on leadership during the pandemic, which never should have been written, what an embarrassment, gets over a million dollars for it. And the second wave was about a month away. 
You know, I don't, I don't have that guy that's lost my train of thought. I was, I was just going to say, yeah, the cover-up is the crime there. You know, it, it's, it's a weird thing in politics where you can sign a law that kills thousands of people and fake no consequences. But we do know from his assistant, uh, Melissa DeRosa, that, uh, you know, it, uh, they were afraid that if Trump found out, his DOJ would look into them. Yes. Um, now, there are some people who think that, you know, uh, preemptively trying to hide this as a head of an investigation, that is a cover-up as well. Um, that's that's pr- uh, prosecutable. Um, you know, and of course, there's the asterisk, though. It's, you know, will Biden's DOJ do the right thing? And uh, I'm a bit cynical there. And then, you know, when it comes to the, um, the sexual harassment scandal, um, there is one way Cuomo could go down for it that's a bit ironic. And in 2018, he signed a law um, that lowered the bar for what counts as sexual harassment. Um, and, it, you know, it was uh, honestly, I think, a little too vague. It's, you know, basically, if anyone feels you know, marginally uncomfortable in a certain situation, it can be counted as such. But, you know, it was a law he signed, and if it, you know, it could come back to bite him. So, you know, perhaps there will be some consequences there. But, you know, as I said earlier, it's kind of hard to uh, not be cynical, especially when it's a Democrat. So you write this book about Dumb and Dumber. For people listening, because we're national, outside this, outside our zone here in New York, where WABC, WRCN, WLIR cover the show. Uh, uh, carry the show locally for people to know this mayor single-handedly destroyed the number one police force in the country and now it is chaos in new york people are getting thrown on subways more than they're riding on subways in a city that's been vacated in a uh, uh with police officers have been disempowered that's on the mayor and of course the governor shows no leadership there yeah, and it's, you know, even in the book, I have a timeline of just how it escalated from the day he took office on to pretty much the last year. And it's, you know, the relationship a mayor has with the police force does have an effect on their ability to, you know, even more than funding and all that. Because they know, you know, if you're a cop, you're going to be put in certain uh, hard situations where you have to know the mayor has your back, you know, even if the media or the public won't. Um, and the, the last year is where everything really just escalated and, you know, kind of billion dollars in funding and, you know, murders and double or murders in New York City doubled. And, you know, DeWazio is trying to play it off as, oh, it's because of the pandemic, it's because of poverty. But, you know, no, no one's murdering each other over bread, you know, and, you know, crimes like shoplifting aren't the kinds of crimes that are, that are up. It's gang violence, violent crimes and those sorts. So it's, it's an excuse just doesn't really work. I um, mean, we've already seen another um cities that defunded police within it seems like less than six months they've already started reversing so we just know it doesn't work true so this is what's come yeah. out today in the new york times it turns out that cuomo when he was first uh when the first allegation came in uh and this woman's name is lindsey boylan they start assessing getting a letter together to put a full attack plan on boylan's credibility suggesting that her accusations was premeditated politically motivated and she's actually working with supporters of donald trump she is a left-wing pers- uh, uh, progressive to the left of yeah. governor cuomo and a former confidant of cuomo they they basically were ready to go after her in december yeah, it reminds me, I think there was a report today with uh, California's governors trying to blame the recall petition on Republicans. And I'm going, I, I didn't know there was that many Republicans over in California. But it's, you know, same point here. I think 100 percent of the women who have accused Cuomo are Democrats and all but one have worked for the guy. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's just no political motivation unless. And, and, and then also, I mean, I think we're at a point now where more than half of Democrats in New York's uh, Congress have called for him to resign. So, you know, what's their political motivation? They're obviously not uh, ideologically aligned with us. They're not. But when you go through this, how do you find where, – where are some other examples of incompetence and idiocy, Matt? And we speak with Matt Palumbo, who is the author of Dumb and Dumber, How Cuomo and de Blasio Ruined New York. Oh, you know, I so I, like, I do a chapter, a whole chapter on just the economics of New York and why people are leaving and just, 
you know, like I'll just have lists of that's wacky regulations that exist, uh, all the crazy taxes they're proposing. Uh, I go a lot over their war on charter schools. Um, and, I, you know, I just kind of paint a picture of, you know, the, what motivated the book was I, I remember reading a statistic a few years ago that uh, every single day there's about a thousand people who move from blue states to red states. Um, and that's a net basis. So, you know, in, in both directions. Um, but New York's the number one state now. Um, the number one state they're going to is Florida. So, I, you know, just kind of I do it in one of the chapters comparison of between New York and Florida and just show like, you know, you're paying the size of government per capita in, Florida, in New York's about double what it is in Florida. Um, you know, and then I go through pretty much every facet of your daily life and compare what it will be like in Florida, what it will be like in New York. And, you know, in Florida, you're getting either pretty much equal or better services for half the cost. And obviously the weather is a bit better. And I just kind of ask the question, like, why would anyone choose to live in a state like this when there's so many better alternatives out there? When Chuck Schumer delivers aid to a state like this because unemployment's so high because the lockout was so suffocating, mm-hmm. Governor Cuomo still came out and said, I'm going to raise taxes. And they're talking about a wealth tax. How uh, oblivious do you have to be to understand there are so many companies who are debating whether to come back or not? You are kicking them out. Yeah, most, um, you know, wealth taxes actually used to be popular in Europe a few decades ago. And I think almost every state, uh, country, one or two, has gotten rid of them. Uh, I mean, the obvious reasons are people, A, can flee. um, And then, B, even of those who stay, it's so hard to implement a wealth tax. Like, the cost of administering it can just be enormous because if you're a billionaire and you have, you know, a $50 million painting that could, you know, the value could theoretically range in millions of dollars, you have to pay all these people to try to determine that and then collect it. And it's just a mess. It's just not a very efficient way to tax people if you're going to do it. Um, But that being said, New York's already among the highest tax states. And they lost, New York City lost, I think, half a million people last year. New York State lost more than any other. And they're, you know, they're losing their tax base. You know, they'd be better off just attracting new people at this point than trying to, you know, incentivize everyone else to basically flee. You would think so. So this is how clueless the mayor is. Now that the governor's down for the count, it looks like he wants to run for governor. Does he know he's the most unpopular mayor and most ineffective mayor in the entire country? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, a large part of the book is coronavirus. And I point out, like, you know, if New York were its own country, it would have more coronavirus deaths than any other country on the planet uh, per capita. But New York City has even more deaths than that. Um, yeah, it's it, he's, and that's actually one of the funny things about the book is when I was researching de Blasio, I think there was almost enough material to write uh, the, all, the, you know, all the parts of the book about him from from the left wing perspective, because it's just you know for every single thing you can say about him on the right, but also the left hates the guy. Um, so no, I, I don't think the guy will have much success. And you know we saw on a when he ran for president how that went. And I think uh, you know only when you're benchmarking yourself against Cuomo can you claim you have a chance. I right. And I, I love his comment when asked, "What have you learned about the pandemic?" He said, "I learned the wisdom and the need for sleep. I think so much clearer <laughs> when I get plenty of sleep. Isn't that inspirational?" Well, if he was asleep the whole time and did nothing, it might have actually turned out a bit better. So perhaps there's some truth there. And lastly, what about the vindictiveness and the animus he has towards the governor of Florida to the point where every time you land from Florida in a New York airport, you have to fill out a form and essentially quarantine. Meanwhile, the numbers are less in Florida than they are in New York. It should be vice versa. That's the thing, too. I mean, it it does expose... Um, that, that a lot of these lockdowns were either unnecessary or went on for too long. You know, I saw a headline the other day that was trying to say that 
the headline was along the lines of uh, coronavirus variants are spreading in Florida, and a couple dozen people got infected with them. And I'm realizing, like, they're, they're having to change the narrative because hospitalizations aren't rising, deaths aren't rising, overall cases are going down. So they're just coming up with new ways to try to make it seem way worse than it is. Uh, but it's always been worse in states like New York and New Jersey. Make sure they don't come to a city near you. Read Matt Palumbo's book, uh, Dumb and Dumber, How Cuomo and de Blasio Ruined New York. Matt, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. You got it. At Matt Palumbo 12 to follow him on Twitter. When we come back, your calls, 1-866-408-7669. We have a lot to discuss from the filibuster might be history to we're looking at a situation where the border is out of control and both the former president and president weigh in. And we have more of the interview that Joe Biden just did with George Stephanopoulos. Don't move. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. President Trump reached a deal with the Taliban to have all American troops leave by May 1st. Are they going to leave? I'm in the process of making that decision now as to when they'll leave. The fact is that um, that was not a very solidly negotiated deal that uh, the president, the former president, uh, worked out. And so we're in consultation with our allies as well as the government. And uh, uh, that decision's going to be, it's in process now. Likely to take longer? I, I don't think a lot longer. But May 1st is tough. Could happen, but it, it is tough. So they're talking about the... Uh, getting all our troops out of Afghanistan by May 1st. I hope it doesn't happen. We have an extra 1,000 there that was reported. European allies are there. And my feeling is we're not fighting on a daily basis, let alone lower casualties than ever before since uh, Afghanistan began. And I'm very cognizant of the fact that metastasizing quickly is ISIS and al-Qaeda. I, don't, I know the people that go back and forth. I see their names. I know the people that know them, and I know the sacrifice they give. But what they're able to find out and preempt in terms of terrorists, give us intelligence to stop the next attack, whether it's San Bernardino on down, uh, whether it's let alone something like 9-11 as we come up on 20 years, I think is, is worth it. And I think that to leave now and do a power sharing agreement, which they're talking about with Anthony Blinken, with the Taliban, who were terrorists, is just a non-starter. They just do nothing but kill the soldiers that we train and blow up the government that we help finance, train and support. So I'm with Joe Biden on that. I did not like the exit strategy there. I didn't love the exit strategy in Syria. Now, most of you disagree with me on that, and I'm fully cognizant of that. And I know these are real people over there, but they're not fighting every day. They're training every day. And they haven't been targeted with the Taliban because they're smart. Because you target our guys, there's no exit plan. So we'll see what happens. Now, it was brought up to us earlier this week, Ian Bremer, a very learned guy, knows the region, said, I wish we had bigger presence in Pakistan than Afghanistan. That's fine. I'm not looking to own Afghanistan. I'm looking to let a generation uh, who has basically been 20 years, looking for a generation to go to school for women uh, to understand that they're empowered and to give society a chance to be successful. And that's what our, our men and women have done through some great leadership and fantastic generals from General Petraeus on down. I also add this. Got to give credit where credit's due. I love the fact that we just sanctioned 25 separate uh, Chinese officials on the way they've handled and took the rights away at Hong Kong, leading into meetings in Alaska next week. I love that we met with the Quad, uh, South Korea, Australia, 
uh, Japan. Uh, in th- we all met together to find out how we stop the growth and belligerence of China. Couldn't be happier with that. I like the fact that Anthony Blinken said that Trump's tariffs worked. I like that he complimented the Abraham Accords. How do you possibly ridicule the Abraham Accords, where these co- these countries in the Middle East recognize uh, the existence of Israel and they begin trade and travel with each other? How do you not recognize that? I am not happy by what happened with Saudi Arabia. I mean, as as flawed as that country is and as brutal as Khashoggi's death was, when you decide I'm not putting arms in hands of Saudi Arabia, who has a tradition and a relationship with us to date back to the 1940s, when you do that and say we're no longer going to support the war in Yemen, what you're doing is supporting Iran. The Houthi rebels think Iran. Now there's rockets lobbying into Saudi Arabia. All right. How does that help anything? The Saudis were asking for arms. They weren't asking for us on the ground. And these Houthis are miserable terrorists who have taken a country that had a government related to us and ousted it. And now they're lobbing rockets at Saudi Arabia, which has come a long way and reformed to a degree. Hey, I hope everyone joins me in Jacksonville on Saturday. Go to floridatheater.com. Dana Perino's got a brand new book. I'll interview her as she talks about everything will be okay. We talk Fox. See you there. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Dr. Mark Siegel at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Kennedy's here now, getting set to host her show any minute, okay, in nine hours. But she's here now because she wants to give me her A game and give the rest of the country her B game on, uh, on FBN. Because and she is exact and outnumbered. You do an outnumbered too. Oh yeah! Wow, you you have Big a day. You you dress like you're not doing outnumbered. You well, dress great. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna waltz in here in a ball gown. Oh, not anymore. No, I, I don't want to wrinkle my, my right. finery. And it is gowns or, or nothing on, on outnumbered, right? That's actually right. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> actually true, including the guys. It's That's why it's very work. hard to get the yeah, guys. Yeah, no, it's, uh, the UN talks is, is quite a sight at noon. Right. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. An attempt to recall California Governor Gavin Newsom is looking increasingly likely to end up on the ballot. Newsom recently acknowledged the growing effort to have him removed from office by launching a campaign to prevent it. And he says Trump supporters and extremists are behind the move. Of course, resign and recall. The push continues to oust uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo because he's terrible. And uh, the other things, the nursing homes and the sexual sexual harassment allegations. While a big push to recall another golden boy, California Governor Gavin Newsom... And he blames, of course, Trump supporters as well as QAnon. Number two. What about that nuclear option doing away with the filibuster? Well, I can tell you that would be the end of the Senate as it was originally uh, devised and created going back to our founding fathers. The point is we still left the 60 votes in place for the Supreme Court. And Mitch McConnell changed that. I would prefer to bring it back. Yeah, it's amazing. That was then and this is now. Filibuster on life support. Biden. Durbin, Klobuchar, all indicate progressive agenda is being hampered by the need for 60 votes, so they're going to try to get rid of it. Can you say hypocrites? Mitch McConnell's got a plan, though. 
Number one. Do you have to say quite clearly, don't come? Yes, I can say quite clearly, don't come. And what we're in the process of getting set up, don't leave your town or city or community. Right. And I just can't say the word clearly, clearly. Uh, don't come yet. That's what President Biden seemed to be saying as he finally speaks out about the immigration crisis caused by his words and actions. But he blames President Trump. I never blame anyone, President Trump, for anything to happen to me. Kennedy, do you blame President Trump that when things go wrong for you? Yes, I'm going to blame him when my taxes go up. Right. Because he suppressed the vote in Georgia by sending out his surrogates going, yeah, the, the thing's rigged. Everything sucks. So Republican voters in Republican counties are like, I'm just going to stay home this go around. Can you believe a special election has this much impact? Yeah, it sucks. I mean, That's what I'm saying the whole time. Only one seat. One of the two seats. That's it? That's You've it. Seen one. And the guy, that, the guy, Purdue, who lost actually won by two full percentage points a month before. That's right. Just so aggravating. Unforced error, they call it. Right. Uh, And I I do say, I mean, just so much much went wrong with the Georgia election. I still can't believe they lost, even though all that stuff went wrong with the Georgia election. But I do blame President Trump for that. I know you have a lot of listeners who are big fans of the former president. And I get that. Uh, But I blame him for that. Well, I have said that Mm -hmm. uh, in the past. And... I also brought up Afghanistan. We differ on that. I don't believe I don't want to pull out uh, everybody out where President Trump was like for pulling out. We disagree on that. You agree with President Trump. I do. There you go. Told you you're an independent thinker. Ha- someone has to be. Right. Were you saying I'm a robot? No, but there's uh, a lot of people slurping Kool-Aid on, uh, on both sides. I'm going to go to not my last one, my number one. I'm going to go to Gavin Newsom. Oh, let's do it. First off, you live there. Yeah. Tell me about the Gavin Newsom unit. How did he go from this guy who's going to be president? Where did he get off track? I don't care if he gets recalled or doesn't get recalled. He's about to have a recall vote. But what happened? It's not just the French laundry, although that looks really bad. Uh, Think of all the small businesses and restaurants that are run by families. And so they spend thousands of dollars retrofitting their outdoor dining facilities, installing heaters, expanding patios. And then he comes in and he shuts down outdoor dining. For no reason. Uh, Really for no reason because science didn't dictate that outdoor dining was a main vector for transmitting coronavirus. Therefore, it was safe. People are smart enough to know that you still have to wear a mask when you're not eating. You have to sit six feet apart. There's Purell at all the tables. Uh, there's a QR code for menus, so you're not touching anything a, extra. We can do this. Yes. And how about this? Uh, six and feet restaurants apart. restaurants were so nimble in adjusting to the, the necessary climate. He shut that down, and kids are still not in school in California. Uh, gyms. Uh, everything. Yeah. There's so much wrong. Uh, plexiglass. I mean, personal trainers alone have lost so much business. See, you think about people like yoga instructors, bar instructors, you know, people who teach fitness classes at gyms. They are out of work. How about this? He still ran a nine billion dollar surplus and is getting a huge, uh, a huge boon from go- the government, the federal government, because his unemployment's so high. There's no justice. So. Governor Newsom, looking at everything you just said, hearing all the complaints, came up with this concoction for an explanation for his plummeting ratings. Cut 32. This is the sixth effort, and I've only been in office 25 months. Just in 25 months, there's been six efforts to put a recall uh, on the ballot. This one appears to have the requisite signatures. This started before the pandemic. If you look at the list of grievances from the proponents of this campaign, it goes to our values. It's it's less about me. It's more about California and our values, Democratic Party values, issues related to the browning of California, immigration. 
Do you believe this? No, I don't. And Browning of California. He, he How is, dare he? He's so short-sighted and narcissistic when he won't address the problems that he created before the pandemic, including homelessness when he was mayor of San Francisco. And even as um, Secretary of State of California, he, he wasn't doing or Lieutenant Governor. What do they have? I don't know. I can't even remember. I didn't vote for him. But the point is homelessness, the wildfires, uh, the the issues with all of the public sector unions, those were eating him whole. And then his horrible response to the pandemic only compounded all of those things. And now there are more homeless people. There are more powerful, emboldened teachers unions because of him. Uh, when moms can't work, when kids can't play sports, when businesses close, half of them for good, 20,000 businesses closing permanently in California because of Gavin Newsom's orders. Uh, this this is not a partisan issue. He says it's all Republicans in QAnon when 30 percent are Democrats or independents of the two million that seems to want him out. Last time Gray Davis was gone, Schwarzenegger was in. So here's Gavin Newsom. First, he said blames it on, I guess, racist uh, because white people don't like Hispanics and they want the white go- governor out, which is, again, such a ridiculous claim and so ag- uh, aggravating because you're calling you're calling everybody a racist who doesn't support you. Cut 34. The lead proponent of this, the lead proponent of this recall effort, by the way, that predates the pandemic, uh, is someone that believes we should microchip immigrants. You have people that are part of the lead coalition that started this petition uh, that are avid Proud Boyd members. Uh, They are supporters of QAnon conspiracy theorists. And you combine that with Newt Gingrich and Mike Huckabee and Devin Nunes and now the RNC nationalizing this recall. Time and money, you're going to get something on the ballot. Finally, they're calling out Huckabee. Because he is a huge problem. Yeah, he's uh, he he's the the number one proud boy right. who is who's there spearheading the recall. How many proud it's, boys it's are there? It's not about that. Of course, it isn't. It's it. And I went to a hipster boutique in L.A. and and they they sell you know all sorts of paraphernalia and and wacky things. A lot of things having to do with weed. And uh, they had recall Newsom shirts. <laughs> So it's like that's the demo that is completely over this governor. It's it's not just, you know, the the shrinking pool of Republicans in the Sunshine State. So how do you explain this in the state the we're Golden in? State? Is Florida the Sunshine we're, State? We're the Golden, it's Golden State. It Think Golden State, State Warriors. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's but, a lot of sunshine. I know what you mean. There's a lot I of sunshine there. I would call it Sunshine State if yeah. you would. All right. Maybe we could start that effort. Sure. Put that well, I the think ballot. there are a lot of people in California that would like to move to the Sunshine State. Which is? Florida. Thank you. Yeah. So the governor of New York. Not a lot of sunshine, just a lot of cold today. Uh, the governor of New York now, on a daily basis, more dis, uh, more disconcerting news. Now we find out his first accuser, instead of saying, okay, let's uh, see the validity here, turns out he's putting a letter-writing campaign to discredit her and try to link her to Trump supporters. That was disgusting. That was that was gross. And tried to get female staffers to sign on, uh, one of whom he allegedly harassed. And and she did not put her name. She did not become a signatory to that letter uh, because she knew it, it was wrong and it was false. So he now, how do you explain this? Here's a guy who lied about the numbers or super or his staff prevented him from knowing that 15,000 people lost their lives in nursing homes. Not five, yeah. not nine, 15,000. So these staffers got together and told health officials, I'll change the numbers. A lot of people say it is synchronized with the release of his book, which wouldn't look good if you lead with 15,000 dead nursing home people or seniors. How do you explain this, Kennedy? There might not be an explanation for it, so don't feel pressure. No, it's it's but, corruption. That's, that's flat right. out lying. And- 
And that's the thing you get thrown out of office for. Sienna- it's like, yes, putting COVID positive patients in nursing homes, uh, that is tantamount to manslaughter. There's no doubt about that. But trying to hide the numbers to make yourself Makes look so better, much worse. So you can you can brag about your own nursing home deaths in relation to Florida. That I mean, that's a level of fraud and corruption. That that, I mean, that is bold. That's someone who's been in office way too long and whose power has gone completely unchecked. Then how do you explain this to Siena poll, which is a small college next to uh, Albany, prestigious, does a poll. They said, should Cuomo immediately resign as governor? 50% said he should not. 34% would support his reelection. How do you explain this? How twisted no is this state? The only thing I can say is Stockholm Syndrome. People in New York have been held hostage. By Cuomo. By Cuomo. And one Pataki. Oh, yeah. Pataki in between. Oh, yeah. There was he one had, Pataki. Yeah, there was one yeah. Pataki. Three, Other than that, uh, other than that, there were a lot of Cuomos. Right. A lot of Cuomos. Yeah. Two mm-hmm. Cuomos. Uh, two too many. Right. Uh, oh, you kidding me? Absolutely. So the letter was uh, against Lindsey Boylan, who is not stopping. She is doubling and tripling down. They look to weaponize her, the claim of sexual harassment for personal political gain, according to her. The initial idea, according to three people with direct knowledge of the events, was to have former Cuomo aides, especially women, sign their names to the letter and circulate it fairly wide. This was in December Disgusting. before there were six more. Now, one has come out. One of the accusers come out and said they've been contacted by multiple other women. So I ask you, if you get multiple other women on top of the seven women, I'm wondering how long he can actually stay there. I don't know. That's a great thing about California. There is uh, the the ballot initiative, which is very powerful, and it's one of the great things about democracy in that state is it's easier to throw someone out if they're doing a crappy job. And, you know, they, they already have formed the committee to investigate impeaching him. And if I don't know how many more bodies you let stack up, because this is just disgusting. And this is from a man who has three daughters. Yeah, three daughters, one of which marched with him. By the way, if I ever get involved with this scandal, promise me you'll tell me, remind me not to grab a blanket, the neck of a bottle and just pace outside my house. Milk was a bad choice. What is he talk? What did you see that yeah. shot over the weekend? Absolutely. Right. So uh, Joe Biden was asked about Governor Cuomo. Let's if listen. the investigation confirms the claims of the women, should he resign? Yes, I think he probably end up being prosecuted too. A woman should be presumed to telling the truth and should not be scapegoated and become victimized by her coming forward. Number one, but there should be an investigation to determine whether what she says is true. Right. Unless you're Brett Kavanaugh. Or Tara Reid. Oh, no. Who she, accuses no, Joe Biden. Clearly lying. Groping. Clearly a wackadoo with mental problems <laughs> who's just making stuff up because she's a big hoochie. Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island mm-hmm. said the FBI made up a phony investigation of Brett Kavanaugh in high school days and that he wants to revisit it. Yeah. How about that? Do you believe that? A sitting... Mm. Supreme Court justice. Do you think that'll be one way to, well, I can't pack the court, but maybe I can kick out a Republican. Yeah, but that's that's what that whole Kavanaugh thing, it was just, it, that was desperation. Because they're like, oh my God, this guy's going to get confirmed. Right. We got to gin something up here. Hey, Eric, how much did you pay Kennedy for one segment or for two? Do you know? You don't know how much we paid her for. Uh, Where's the let's make a deal suitcase? Well, <laughs> I think you're thinking of... 
uh, deal or no deal. I don't care what it is. I just want a suitcase full of money, Brian. Right. Okay. You know, you're the one calling the, the Garden State the Sunshine State. I'm sending a check right now in the mail. It'll probably take 7 to 14 days to clear, and then you'll have to show ID to, to cash it. Oh, that's going to be a problem. Right. Does it have to have my name right. on it? This is it's the got ni- my picture. This is the 1977 way of paying guests. That's we right. go back to that time. <laughs> and we got to get to the bank before three, or we're never going to be able to cash oh, it. Oh, boy. Fantastic. Uh, I need two signatures and an ID. Uh, when we come back, uh, more with Kennedy, who that's gets right. set to host Outnumbered in an entirely different outfit. Hmm. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I finish saying what I'm saying and then Cheryl asked me these questions which I didn't know and they were written questions and then Elaine's reading her questions. Stand up for anti-racism. And I'm like, I've been set up. Don't try and cry because if anyone should be crying, it should be me. And I went like, how dare you all do this to me? I'm your sacrificial lamb. So in the break, I'm like, Talk to me, Cheryl. Talk to me. What is going on? She wouldn't. I lost it even further. So that is Sharon Osbourne on The Talk, a show I did not know uh, really was still on. Kennedy, you're here. You're going to be hosting Outnumbered at the top of the hour. Do you? Th- she really believes she was set up. She said, first mm-hmm. time ever, the producers weren't talking to me. She did look like she was reading the questions, and it was all about her buddy, Pierce Morgan. Yeah. So how do you feel? I mean, have you ever showed a show just going on hiatus? Yeah. I mean, the whole show is on hiatus. They can't work it out. Isn't that what a board meeting's about? Can anyone have a Zoom call? You know what that is? It's, it's too many people involved in the production of the show. And uh, and that's what happens. Like, they're so worried about how they look uh, instead of putting on a great television show that's really watchable with people who have very different backgrounds. Uh, but what I will say is if they if they fire... Sharon in order to, you know, feed the the beast of wokeness, which they probably will. I mean, Chris Harrison got fired uh, for far less. Um, she she's a huge personality like she's Sharon Osbourne. She's she's bigger than the show. She's bigger than the show. And they know but, that and they're probably jealous because she gets more attention. She's she's established. She's got more money. But, but Kennedy, Julie Chen's embarrassed because. But is she canceled? Is someone going to be uh, reluctant to hire her? Oh, who cares? She's got Sharon Osbourne money. But 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 aren't you worried about them canceling somebody else for no reason? They, they because gotta, you, you stand gotta, up you for gotta a stop friend? canceling people. There, yes, there has that's to be a mechanism in place uh, for people to redeem themselves, and we don't have that. And I don't care which side it is. I, I really don't. And it's like liberals, conservatives, people. Say dumb things. They say dumb things. But she, sometimes they but think in, they're being funny. In this sometimes case, it's the heat of the moment. But in this case, she didn't say anything dumb. She says, I know Pierce Morgan. He's not a racist. Yeah. And I back up his right to say what he wants to say over oh, in England. no, but it's the stuff that Leah Remini is saying that she made racial slurs about Julie Chen. And, uh, she oh, they're made, bringing up stuff in the past? Yeah. I'm just talking about this incident. Yeah. No, but that, so, that's what they're doing. They're, they're reinforcing uh, the argument because then it becomes – Really tough, but you know they they should bring the show back with Sharon and and give her a chance to 
address all of these issues because people would oh. absolutely watch that. So if all right, so here's more on this. So uh, the journalist Yasha Ali posted an article in which several sources, including uh, Leah Remney, stated that Osborne contributed to making the talk a toxic workplace, mm. frequently uh, using Asian slurs in reference to Julie Chen and lesbian slurs referring to uh, Sarah Gilbert. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, uh, Kennedy, we're going to watch you. One of them are going to watch you at 8 on FBN. Love it. Fantastic. Kill me. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. What I'd say is that this Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine is safe uh, and that we should uh, listen to the regulators uh, and the the British regulator, world-class regulator of the MHRA, the World Health Organization and the European Medicines Agency have all looked at the data. Now that uh, over 11 million people have been vaccinated with the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, we can see in the real world its impact. And we can see that it is not only safe, but saving lives. So it helps make you safe. I was stunned by this. You know, Europe is trailing behind us. They're experiencing, I think, a third or fourth wave now. I'm thinking, what are they doing? Well, they're having trouble, just like some had trouble with the lockdowns, us. We're not having that much trouble with the vaccines. And now they're going AstraZeneca, and they want some Johnson & Johnson, they want ours. But now they stopped giving out AstraZeneca. Why? Because 30-plus, maybe 37 people had blood clots, and it might be totally unrelated. So France was going to forge forward. UK is forging forward. But Germany hit pause. Now the pressure mounts and the politics get high. Italy, France, and Spain join Germany in putting everything on hold. My goodness, you lock your people back down and put AstraZeneca on hold for political reasons. Dr. Mark Siegel has seen it all. I didn't think I was expecting this, Dr. Siegel. We author of the book COVID, uh, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. Dr. Siegel, where do you stand on this? Are you for the pause? Wow, Brian, you just took the words out of my mouth. The way you framed that is exactly what I was going to say, which is you have to look at something called incidents in the community. In other words, 17 blood clots, but how many people got it in the control groups under the studies? How many people get it when, when 11 million in, in UK or 17 million around Europe get the vaccine? The answer is that the, that the number of blood clots that they are seeing is about the same as would have gotten it anyway, even if they hadn't gotten the vaccine. And you know what really gives you blood clots? One out of four people with COVID, with severe COVID get blood clots. You have to consider that, too. It's very serious to take vaccine side effects seriously. You have to really look at this. But before you jump like that at something, you right. better be sure. And we're doing this in the United States, by the way. Every time there's a side effect for a vaccine, it gets reported to our vaccine adverse advisory. And then, and then uh, another vaccine unit kicks in from CDC to analyze it. We have tremendous analysis going on trying to figure out if there's what's called a cause and effect. In this case, there was no cause and effect. And to pause the vaccine as a result of this, absolutely criminal at a time when they're locked down, at a time when the variants that are circulating are covered by this vaccine. A cascade of countries now, as I mentioned, Italy, France and Spain are backing out. But get this, the European Union's top regulator pushed back against concerns against the shot, saying that there was no sign of it causing dangerous problems and that it is life-saving benefits outweigh the risk of any side effects. 
So if your doctors are telling you to do it and you're desperate to stand up your society, Dr. Siegel, I'm, I'm befuddled. I've never seen this combination where the science is pushing back on politicians. And then politicians are pulling back, pushing back yeah. on science and then instituting lockdowns, which we haven't gotten to yet, which actually don't work. They don't decrease the spread of COVID, especially when it's already through your communities. The best hope you have with that is distancing and taking a vaccine. So th- th- none of this makes scientific sense. It's politicians leading science. And then, of course, the science. Here's what else they do, Brian. They find a scientist who will stand up and echo their position, which makes it even more muddled. True. So why did they just have AstraZeneca? Why were they unable uh, to get Moderna and Pfizer? And they are saying that they teamed up with us to come up with these vaccines and we're not being fair and sharing with them. Well, I don't believe any of that. First of all, President Trump got no credit for what he did early on. That's another political mudslinging. Mud is a very kind word. I want to use a different word. I, hear I mean, you. look, the, pre- the, the president put together a force uh, of Operation Warp Speed, four different sectors with CDC, with HHS. I talked to HHS so many times about this. So did you. The Army military was involved. All of the manufacturing deals were made early on for 100 million doses. And then everybody blamed him when we didn't get the doses we ordered. That's because of manufacturing slowdown. Listen, Europe knew, knew all about all of this. Pfizer is not really the Pfizer vaccine. It's the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. It's made in Germany. So if Germany is having a problem with shortages, I find it hard to believe they couldn't have purchased more of that vaccine, which is, by the way, a home run. It's been given to many millions of people here in the United States quite safely. So I'm not crying for this. The, you know, the, the European Union had every chance to get these vaccines. And by the way, maybe, and I don't want to get political here, maybe Brexit has something to do with this, Brian. You, you notice the U.K. is getting vaccines, right? Absolutely. And Israel, who did not do great with the virus, is doing great on vaccines. Well, we can and, learn from all this. A quick, point, a quick point on Israel. You know what Israel did? Talk oh. about ingenuity. Israel made a deal with Pfizer. They said, give us vaccine. We'll give you data. We'll try it on our people. We'll show you the adverse effects. We'll show you how well it works. They basically used the whole country as a clinical trial, which really Pfizer wanted because they wanted that data. That's the way to make a deal. True. So I want you to hear what President Biden just said about what he found when he came to office. It is um, the failure to have an orderly transition from the Trump presidency to my presidency, which usually takes place from Election Day to the time you're sworn in, has cost me time and consequences. For example, we didn't realize how bad things were in terms of lack of vaccines. We were not able to get access to this information. That is, that, is that true? No. Here's what was true. Uh, high-level sources at HHS, one of them is still there, by the way, told me that they had multiple meetings with the states. Some states were paying attention. Some states weren't. The, t- the states that really organized their plan alongside what was going on with, with the feds are the ones that have administered most of the vaccine. When President Biden came to office, it was already over a million doses a day being administered, 1.4 million. Now, two months later, it's 2.4 million. You know what? That's an improvement. That's expected, Brian, because of the manufacturing. Listen, if you're Pfizer, 
If you're BioNTech, if you're Moderna, look at little Moderna, never made vaccines before. Suddenly they're making millions and millions of doses. You know what matters the most to Moderna? Not screwing it up, making sure that every dose comes out safe and sterile and effective. That's what matters, and that's why they didn't deliver the doses on the exact program they said they would. Not because of anything to do with disorganization of the distribution that our United States military was supervising in Gus Perna. I think the idea that we were getting a million point four doses into people's arms when President Trump left office was pretty incredible. I, well, I do, too. And then we get about a million. He wants 100 million in uh, 100 days. And we already passed that. And that's what Trump was doing. So how could the cupboard be bared if you were handing over a million a day? So having said that, I see that the numbers are ticking up slightly in Minnesota, in Minneapolis and in New York and some other places. Do you know why New York City? Do you know why? You mean why the case numbers are ticking yes. up? The, the case numbers are ticking up because I think the weather's been good the last few days. People are coming out more. We're seeing more variants emerge. But what's really important is that the hospitalizations and the death numbers are not, are not coming up. I think as we hit spring, we might see more spread, especially among the variants. I, I would urge people to continue with the public health measures. One thing that deeply disturbs me is that once people get vaccinated, they don't realize that that deeply de- – that decreases dramatically their ability to transmit. Brian, I was just in the elevator with a woman who had been fully vaccinated, and I've been fully vaccinated. And I said to her, we've been vaccinated. You don't have to worry about me. I mean, I was wearing my mask, and she was too, but I'm thinking the psyche is so damaged, especially by the Democrats. It's so damaged that we can't even feel a sense of relief when we're protected. You worried about spring break in Florida? Uh, not as much as I was a few weeks ago, because I'm seeing that Florida actually, despite the variant, the U.K. variant, which is very contagious, has become now over 50 percent of the cases. The numbers are still dropping dramatically in Florida, 22 percent decrease in hospitalizations over the last two weeks. And case numbers are still declining about 20 percent over the last two weeks of new cases. As long as that continues, remember, they're outdoors for spring break. I don't like some of what goes on at beaches, but I'm not sure there's going to be a surge. I'm much more optimistic about that now. I'm so glad I told Pete not to go uh, because, uh, <laughs> Pete, I'm worried about the show. All right? Sorry, Pete. You cannot go this year. Uh, Dr. Siegel, I want you to not he- wearing that hair gel. I don't want him wearing that hair gel down there. Exactly. Pete is not wearing hair gel. I can confirm that. Um, hey, uh, Dr. Siegel, I want you to hear what Anthony Fauci said Sunday in response to a Massachusetts state study that revealed that six feet and three feet, there were no difference in distance when it comes to this pandemic. Listen. There's this new study from researchers in Massachusetts just out this week. It found no significant difference in coronavirus spreading in schools where there was six feet of distancing versus three feet of distancing. But that six-foot requirement, that's one of the main hurdles to reopening schools. Right. Does this study suggest to you that three feet is good enough? It does indeed. I, I almost fell off the chair. Are you kidding me? If that is the case, you lead with that. That should be headlines, and then you explain it. It shouldn't come out of a casual conversation from a Massachusetts study that was something that I might have brought up on Monday, but it wasn't making much news. Three feet and six feet means schools uh, schools can handle things entirely differently. The way we go online in Costco, totally differently. The way we get on trains, totally differently. How how does this happen that he is looked up to like this, yet he never leads on any of these things? 
It's worse than that. This information is not new. The Wisconsin study that CDC put out a couple of months ago showed that three feet actually leads to the same amount of community spread, which is basically schools do not feed community spread. You spread much less in the school than you do in the community. But the Massachusetts study looked at over 500,000 kids and over 100,000 staff, and they found that through all socioeconomic groups, whether, whether it's a poor neighborhood, whether it's a rich neighborhood, no matter what it was, the community spread was greater than in the school at three feet. And you're absolutely right. It makes an enormous difference. And, you know, we all, we've, I've heard through the, through the grapevine that CDC is now going to change their recommendations, going to take a few days. But you're right. It should have led to an immediate change in policy. It almost should be, okay, doors open. We should have done this before. Come in tomorrow. Not wait another few weeks or another month of suffering. WHO recommended three feet. So that's been out there. They say schools, the WHO says schools are low risk. So children under 10, even less. So they don't spread it. Yeah, they don't they, spread it. And Brian, Brian, the studies that occurred in Europe and in Australia last year showed the same thing with three feet. I mean, the amount I, I think that one of the biggest mistakes we've made during the pandemic is to not understand that public health is not viruses. Public health is the damage that viruses cause when you're even reacting to them. We have completely ignored that. You and I have not ignored no. that, but definitely many of our leaders have in the CDC and elsewhere. Uh, and the loneliness and things that go by. I think 20 percent of everyone experiencing the pandemic has this loneliness, which factors into your overall health. And you see that every day, pandemic or not. So when we look at this, uh, where we go from here, I don't understand. I don't want to get, get you to, to in trouble, but I don't understand why Anthony Fauci is considered the expert on this when he's never studying. He's on television nonstop. When's this guy ever looking at a bar graph or a chart or data? He's on TV more than me, and I, and I work for Fox. So, and you but, have a full-time but- job. And I have a full-time job, but I think the bigger issue is that he's an excellent virologist and he studies viruses. And what we're talking about here is reopening bars. So because you understand a virus under the microscope or a vaccine, which he does understand these vaccines, and to give him credit, he predicted these vaccines would be – I don't think even he thought it would be this powerful. But when it comes to reopening a bar, that's an epidemiologist. Maybe that's a bar owner that knows knows about that. You know, maybe – we had so much evidence. Look what's happening now. Florida wide open. Case numbers not greater than California per 100,000, about the same as California, which was buttoned down, suffering, outdoor restaurants closed. Let's look at Texas, where the mask mandate is gone. Everybody said, you know, Governor Abbott is a Neanderthal. Did the president call him? Well, meanwhile, the case numbers are continuing to drop, even though the mask mandate is gone. Right. They say it's going to have the 2022. Last thing, should we all get the vaccine? You got it already. Is there anything that gives you uh, reservations about it? No, I want a message on the vaccine that the, don't let don't let the Democrats superimposed restraints fool you. This vaccine is a ticket to freedom because if you have the vaccine, you're not going to get the virus and you're not going to spread the virus, which is another thing. You know, Dr. Fauci and others don't want to say that you can't spread it once you get the vaccine because we haven't 100 percent proven that. We've only 95 percent proven that. But that's why we use vaccines. If, you're, if your aged grandmother, God forbid, can't get the vaccine because you can't get it to her or she can't get out of bed, you get the vaccine and she'll be less at risk. That's the, one of the main purposes here. The more people that get this vaccine, the more we slow this virus down and the more that we can convince the, our Democrat overlords to reopen society. Got it. Dr. Mark Siegel, thanks so much. Appreciate it. 
Thank you, Brian. You got it. one 408 7669 It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, let's find out if there's indeed a way to close out this hour with learning about something else. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Well, based on every poll, they want me to run again, but we're going to take a look and we'll see. We have first steps first. We have to see what we can do with the House. I think we have a very, very good chance of taking back the House I think we have a chance to do better in the Senate. Uh, we need leadership in the Senate, which, frankly, we don't have. Uh, we need better well, leadership in the Senate. Uh, you have a good chance to take back the Senate. And, frankly, uh, uh, we'll make our decision after that. Wow. So he making it clear that he's thinking about running in 2024. Not a huge surprise. Next. Sharon Osbourne on her future with the talk. She thinks she was set up. We talked about that with Kennedy earlier this hour. Here's what she said to Kevin Frazier of Entertainment Tonight. I finished saying what I'm saying, and then Cheryl asked me these questions, which I didn't know, and they were written questions, and then Elaine's reading her questions. Stand up for anti-racism. And I'm like, I've been set up. Don't try and cry, because if anyone should be crying it should be me she's tough right she's tough and evidently they come out and somebody's saying other things that she said in the past unbelievable we never heard this until there was an issue um i don't know i've met her a couple of times she seems nice she seems unbelievably uh above that show and her opinions and her smarts and her experience make her a perfect view guest or talk uh, panelist next talk by the way stays on hiatus uh, next, let's talk about this. Prince Harry has spoken to William and Charles, but the conversation was not productive. Here's Gail King. I did actually call them to see how they were feeling, and it's true. Harry has talked to his brother, and he has talked to his father, too. The word I was given was that the, those conversations were not productive, but they are glad that they have at least started a conversation. And I think what is still upsetting to them is the, the palace keeps saying they want to work it out privately, but yet they believe these these false stories are coming out that are very disparaging against Megan Still. And by the way, how do you work it up privately and then announce to everyone you had a private conversation? You're not helping at all. I mean, you always like to keep internal family affairs private. That's what I thought. Matthew McConaughey, not related. I feel good about talking about him. He launches his YouTube channel. It's a destination where I'm going to share who I am. Here's Matthew. McConaughey here, and I want to welcome you to my YouTube channel. It's a destination where I'm going to share who I am, who I'm not, what I believe in, what I don't, what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, along with some approaches to life that I've found useful and constructive. And also, he turns out, he hints at going into the wrestling, WWE, and possibly running for political office. I have to say, his book is still a bestseller. People like it. I mean, this is way overdue. I want to grow up to be like Matthew McConaughey. Right. I, I just want you to grow up, Pete. That would just help. That would help I'll the try. show. That's all I need. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Make sure you check me and Dana out on Florida Theater at floridatheater.com for tickets if you live in Florida. On Jacksonville on Saturday, it's all about her book. Everything will be okay. We want to sell this place out. First major event since the pandemic. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.